Billiken fans who have nothing better to do, welcome back. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. It's a Midtown Madness podcast. Before we get going, thank you so much for listening. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, it's season four, uh, much to the dismay of uh, the heads of Slew Athletics of the Midtown Madness podcast. And now uh, we are brought to you by Two Men in a Garden. Uh, Pete, um, we're not we're not selling anybody any any subscription service, any uh, any uh, athletic greens. We're not we're not selling you anything like that. We're here for two men and a garden salsa. It's local. It tastes amazing. They've got all the flavors to suit your individual salsa preferences. You can pick up their many products at any local grocery store or online at twomenandagarden.com. And while you're there, check out their partner stores. I know Pete loves to talk about them. I'm going to steal a little bit of that thunder this time. They've got so many different products, so many different local products that they've helped cultivate, um, you know, through their Kitchen Hub STL program. Uh, And you can find it all at twomeninagarden.com. Also, if you're that particular about your salsa tastes, that's where you want to go. Uh, follow them on social media at Two Men Salsa on Instagram and Twitter. Peter, Peter, Peter. I- I'm trying to think of something better that I had to do. Like, I-, I could watch Band of Brothers. I just got into that, and it's it's really freaking amazing. A- and I feel like that would be something better to do. But I, I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I've heard Band of Brothers is awesome. I actually, it's so funny you mentioned that. I was listening to a podcast today where they were just raving about how good it is and how everybody needs to go back and watch it. And that's the second completely unrelated to Band of Brothers or media in general podcast that I heard recommended in the last few months. So I guess I got to go back and watch the thing. I've never done it before. But yeah, that would that would be something, you know, because I have so much time on my hands. That would be something that I would like to do. I mean, like... Oh, I, we're going to get into it, but just, I just don't know. I, I don't know how in the midst of, you know, last season, um, just being a complete miss, um, this season losing by 40 less than a week ago. Uh, and you, well, yeah, I guess more than a week ago at this point. And you go after negative fans. Uh, and I want to point out that it is it is the negative fans he's going after. But, like, he's clearly, like how, like, how do you reconcile that? That's just arrogance, in my opinion. Yeah, and and look, I, I, I don't know if we want to get into it now or at the end of the I the think we need to provide game. a little context. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll do context first. And and I I would love to 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 chop it up with you on this topic. But but Zach, I mean part of the the context around this is the the first net rankings are released on Monday the fourth. And Slew's initial rating was to me a shocking 258. Like yeah. I I knew it wasn't going to be good. I think I even said last week it's going to be north of 200. 258 is is just it's a devastating number to see next to the name. Is of it your north or south program. when we're talking about rankings? 
You know, I, I always go back and forth in my mind on this. It, it, it's the same thing with seeding in the tournament, right? Like higher seed, lower seed. I'm like, well, 16 is a higher number than one. But I, I anyway, I think, yeah, okay. So it's a higher number, right? <laughs> it's a higher oh, uh, people, figure. People have to hate how many times I just bring up semantics with you just to just to like poke the bear. They well, have to I mean, hate sure it, right? They were already typing angry emails you know or whatever um re regardless look it was worst in the a10 rhode island was next at 192 by the end of the week we're 219 right so we're ahead of fordham and, and rhode island actually they they went to 221 and 225 so that's that's some good news the other good news zach is is the billikens didn't just fold after the carbondale game right like it's better be rock bottom and so far, it kind of feels like it is. Win or lose after that, and and we did both this week, I th I think we can both acknowledge that they didn't just give up. They didn't just quit. There was, there was some discernible effort shown in both of these games, starting with the one I want to get to first, and that's a 75-69 loss at Drake on Wednesday the 6th, Zach. Yeah, you wonder. Um, you talk about like the folding. You There are two ways you can go about it. You can fold or you can react. Uh, invigorated, and uh, you can reset and, and kind of push forward. And you you wonder if that was you know a message, like was that performance at SIU whether and I'm not saying it was a conscious conscious decision to just lay down in that game as as a team, but like you wonder if something got to that team where they were like you know what? Screw this. Like, this is ridiculous. And, and that's a turning point, kind of like the, in a way, maybe the, the Bortuzzo fight, the year of the Stanley Cup, right? An inflection point of the, the two sides that are at odds kind of coming to a head, blowing up. And then the, the seed is planted and it regrows. I have no idea what I'm going on about, but like, yeah, like kind of an inflection point to which, we can reset and move forward. Yeah, that's right. And the example I used, and maybe it was because it was at Carbondale from my senior year, I, I it was the point that rather than putting it behind us and growing and getting better, it was the beginning of the end. It was the beginning of just let's let's just get this season over with and move on. And that's that's what it felt like to me at the time. That's what my fear was. And so far, it does not seem to be that. It was a little nerve-wracking in the beginning of this Drake game because they get out to a quick lead. They hit their first four shots. Three of those were three-pointers. And they had 11 points after that. And then they they went pretty cold. And not only did they go cold, they coughed it up like nine times in the half. It was crazy. Like, it, I, I, it looked like a Billiken team that knew what the hell it was doing. Yeah, it, like it, there was, there was, we were running kind of a, a at times we were running a 1-3-1 one, one, and we would put Dalger at the top. And he was he was causing all kinds of problems for that uh, for Devries the the younger one the one who, the the player obviously um, he he was he was really getting to him and it was a lot in transition too like they they were like just really soft turnovers they were coughing up honestly if you if you had told me somebody on Drake had had uh, had some money on this game <laughs> I would have believed you because they were they were coughing up really like disconcertingly soft 
turnovers and a lot of which became layups at the other end. And so SLU goes into halftime with a 41 to 25 lead, uh, which, which as we know, having watched this team for the past yeah. several years is unfortunately not a safe lead, but nonetheless, I think we all went into halftime shocked at how this game was going so far. If it would be the ballsiest point shaving attempt in the history of point shaving because you're literally saying we're gonna we're gonna go down by a lot so that we can play hard the second half and win but not cover right as opposed to just making some clumsy plays in the last you know 90 seconds or whatever un like that would be unreal (laughs) that would be ridiculous yeah Uh, it was henry hills over in his grave Right. Probably too early in the game to uh, to really. But I mean, like, that's how terrible they looked in the first half after those 11 points. They were soft with the ball. They were slow. They looked really unathletic and they just had no ideas offensively. I mean, they they were really look, or, I guess, credit Slew's defense. It yeah. got to him. And, and even in the second half, Zach, I thought this team looked beatable like they didn't go off. They just kind of chipped away and chipped away. And ended up outscoring Slew 50 to 28 in that half. And it's crazy to say, like, wow, 50 and a half, they must have just gone crazy. Like, nope, not really. They were just really methodical. Yeah. Really methodical. And unfortunately, Slew did not uh Slew did not stick with what got them there, right? Like they got into this pattern of they would try and penetrate in the lane and they didn't really kick it in time, right? Like, how many times did you see Jimerson go into the lane and kind of cough it up? I think he wound up with six turnovers and almost all of them were in the second half. And then on the defensive end, the energy sagged. They weren't that assertive. They weren't trying to force turnovers. They got out of that that one three one that was kind of working at times in the first half, and they just parked themselves too deep. And uh, little by little, Drake chipped away. They got a lot of stuff inside. They got to the free throw line a ton. I think that was actually the difference maker, right? Um, because they didn't exactly light it up. They just were good. Um, very was- frustrating to see that come apart after something that was looking so good for a while. It was a slow burn of that, that like it, it, it really was kind of in a lot of ways, like SIUE. It, it just kind of like, yeah, it's not chipping up away, you. chipping away, chipping away. Okay. And you're like, like with, but with SIUE, you had, you had the confidence of a roster full of dudes. Yeah. In this one, you've got, you know, you're, you've got Hargrove out of position, you got freshmen uh at, at the five and the four like uh, i mean yes jimerson you know you, you but you didn't have medley or you didn't have uh meadows um but this one you kind of expected it after siue last year you kind of as it got it within about 10 you were like and you saw the clock and you're like yeah i don't see us holding on to this one there was there was a point early in the second half where I was like, okay, it's all right. I think, like, look, we're we're heading toward the media timeout. It's the second media. We still, you know, and it was the first media that we were heading towards. And I was like, oh, I think I even tweeted like, oh no, like time is moving at half speed this mm-hmm. half. And and it was it really felt like that. It was it was it was horrible. And you're right because you look at the clock and just go, oh, that's way too much time. That's way too much time. And we just didn't look like the same team. And um that we were in the first half. And so look, I, we've seen this one a million times now, right? Like Slew coughs up a double digit lead in the second half and they either lose the game or they win by just a little bit when they should have won by a lot. I'm, I'm just like the weird thing, Zach is 
And I want to ask you this question because I did not feel as upset after this loss as I did so many other times before when we've given up big leads and 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 lost the game. And I don't know if you feel the same way. Like I, I just kind of, and I'm not like sitting here making excuses going, hey, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. We're just still finding it. It's not that kind of thing. I just wasn't as upset because I was just, we we were playing a pretty good team on the road, and I and I actually thought the effort was there, even though I think unfortunately we got away from the things that were working in the first half. And you're probably maybe feeling less generous than I am with them after that one. I may have taken the points, and Drake. <laughs> yeah, so I, it was like the- I think it was. I think it's just like, dude, I want to see this team win. I do. I really. I really, really want to get on this show and and be happy and excited for Billiken basketball. Yeah, um, of course. I, this is not this is not like I. This is therapy. Like you, we're scratching and clawing the, these kind of deep seated emotional responses out of me in this in these podcasts when things go negative. Um. But like, win the game or lose it enough that I can that we can profit financially, if not emotionally, right? But like, I don't know. I was so self medicated, I didn't really care. Um, it was that was I saw it coming. That's why I'm not disappointed or upset because I saw it coming when it was. I had I had ten minutes of game time. To, to emotionally deal with everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had a great time watching that first half. I just kind of sat back and smiled the entire half. I was, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was quite the surprise and a really nice one. And um, just do that every game. Right. For 40 so, minutes though. It's so it's, it was confounding because like you go to Carbondale who's picked to finish ninth in the Valley. And we make them look like the best team in the country. And then we go they, to Drake, who's could they, could they beat? Could they beat the worst team in the NBA, SIU? They look oh that God. good. <laughs> if they shoot like that, it would actually not be a, as much of a laugher, but no. Um, so so then you go to Drake, who's picked to win the Valley. And we we pound them in the first half. We're up 16 at halftime. You know, it's it's everybody's like confused, like what's happening here? And, and it just, yeah, it just didn't make sense. It's, it's, you throw your hands up and just go, I, I don't know anymore. I don't know what to expect. Uh, I, it's, it, it, it is the kind of game I expected more of this season, like a, just a strong effort against a quality opponent. Right. Because like we were saying last time, there's a lot to like about this team when they play hard, you know, you like yeah. the young guys and, um, the guys who have hung around and, and I, it's, it's an easy team to root for when, when they play like this, when, when things are clicking it's just it's i don't know it's just really unfortunate that it ended up this way even though in slow motion we all kind of saw it come i feel like we say clicking but like we really mean when the game plan is right and you know the uh, the because again i think yes there are times when the 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 billikens on the court aren't executing well but again, like, even if they execute well, how would we know? Mm. Like, even if they're doing exactly what's the game, what the game plan is, how how would we know? 
So at the end of the day, like it, it falls on the players, but I mean that's it's too easy to go out. I don't know. I don't know. Getting out. It's it's just so hard to tell what the issue is with this team. I mean, yes, you could say coaching because they they have they they don't have a a a big that's an upperclassman because we recruited a guy who had, was going to need a, a miracle waiver. So I, I don't know. I, I, it's frustrating that these guys didn't win because the roster is not complete whether you want to throw injuries in there too i it's fine but right i mean that's the issue right is there's never there's never a single variable that you can point to we just seem to have more injuries than any other team in the country every year it's weird oh i i want to get to that too um in the next uh section because i thought there was a great post on the board about kind of the style of play um and Travis's comments after the Hofstra game, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the the amazing thing about this is there's so much to like. Literally, the bad guy of this week, up until Saturday at five p.m., was the freaking cheerleader from Drake. <laughs> I actually had that in here. Like that's I know, point. and I saw it. Yeah. And that's she was the villain of the week up until uh Travis Ford met with Stu Durando after the Hofter game. Like, shut shut up and let the let us be pissed at the cheerleaders still. You guys won. That did lead to some really funny tweets, uh bringing back the the memory of that Jordan Nesbitt drawing at the cheerleader with St. Oh, Bonaventure. Yeah. There's and another one in there too, the, right? The, the whole the volleyball, or sorry, the 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 uh, the cheerleading coach coming all the way out to half court to yes wag her finger and stuff like that. That was that was wild. But yeah, if we had another if, issue with a cheerleader, right? Uh, it was. Uh, I feel like we had another. I don't know why I thought there was a third. Yeah. So so basically, what happens is Jimerson ends up on his his backside at the end of a play, sliding out of bounds, and his back is faced. Uh, he's kind of next to the front row of the cheerleaders and then his back is to the second row. Right. So the, yeah. the cheerleader on the end just gives him a nice two handed shove in the back. But by the time she did it, he had come to a full stop. He hadn't run into any of them. He was no. right by them. He and didn't. Like, he, and he, he was just there for like a split second. He hadn't gotten up yet. And she just two handed him in the back. And there was, there was nothing. I thought that, that was pretty crazy, though. Like, how often do you do you see someone who is not part of the game just two hand shove a player? And how was that not called? He got up and was like, "She just shoved me. What is happening right now?" And and he had every right to kind of be a little indignant there because, like, you cannot put your hands on. I, I mean, why why is this not a bigger deal? It's it's very strange. It it, it yeah, and, and and even though I we all kind of had a laugh about it on Twitter because of the because it's the absurd Nesbitt thing and and yeah how crazy it is and people around the eight tens saying like slew versus opposing cheerleaders is not an ongoing storyline. I thought I'd have to keep track of and stuff like that, but it it was really nuts and I can't believe like it just they everybody at Drake just played it out like nothing even happened. I can't imagine being the cheerleading coach and not being like you come over here now you're getting off the floor you're going back to the locker room yeah like that's that's 
I mean, that's a technical foul if anybody on the bench does that. Mm-hmm. Like, not to mention a person who's not wearing a basketball jersey. Yeah, and, and there's always the question, right? Like, if you're an official and a fan does something like that, and and normally what will happen is the PA person will give a warning, you know, like... um, But that's, like, that's physically... Like when someone throws something on the court. Yes, right. right. They'll, they'll, like, give a warning, like, this... this the, the refs can give a technical foul yes. don't do that like kind of thing but i would think somebody who is dressed in a, in a a uniform that says drake on it yes and like shoves a player that's a little bit different than a that's fan a, shucking a, a beer cup drop in the chat like or in the comment section it, it, what do you think is that true? like what's the what's the ramification that should have happened because i mean i think that's two technical free throws uh, and I think that's an ejection for the true. That's a technical in the ball. That's I think two you got it. Throws in the ball. Yeah, I, I, Jimerson certainly th- thought so. I mean, he was protesting when he got up, right? Like he he was he was clearly upset about something, and I didn't see it initially. But and they didn't. I don't think they showed the replay they of that. Did did they? I I feel like they because the announcers made a point of it, and they were laughing about it. Yeah, so what, like what happened at that moment? That I was, they did. I swear I, they zoomed or they didn't zoom in on it. That was on Billikens.com or no, that was on Twitter. On Someone, Twitter, yeah. Yeah. And and that's what I watched over and over again was the, the person who clicked the it on Twitter. film of Yeah, because I, I was because the, the first time I watched it, you don't and then I, I had to watch it two or three times to go like wow, she just completely unprovoked just shoved the dude in the back. That's that's wild. Like was she trying to <laughs> hit on him? It. Like like what was there, she a fifth grader trying there to have like, been a, a flirt million with the boy? a million instances right of players chasing loose balls or like you know just running out of bounds and kind of running into You've people been... and they all do their best to kind of like not land on people or like at the end you know like fans or or people in the the media row or the cheerleaders or whatever they yeah. they, they all kind of react a different way but like he was, he was sit. He came to a standstill. He wasn't yep. running into her, and she just decided to go ahead and shove him. I, I even want to say like the other cheerleaders around her were like, "What are you doing?" You know, like they kind of reacted in a way. They like, kind of la- they that? laughed. I thought like, like they, I just they giggled, but it was like in a way like you shouldn't have done that. You know, yeah, it was uh, it, it was funny. It was. I really mean, imagine strange. imagine we get two shots in the ball here in a seventy five sixty nine win in which. It was a, and that was not like, it was, it was free throws at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could have been decisive. I, <laughs> I, I, are you shitting me right now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, Am I, that was, really are we, something. are we nuts for thinking this is more than it is? Like I was on Twitter saying that and I was, I was like, there were people that didn't take it seriously. Um, And I, I was actually while I was surprised that people didn't take it seriously, I was kind of surprised that like it wasn't like people were like not just being like, oh, you're out of pocket here. Like, are you crazy? It was it was nothing like I thought I was going to get that, but I just kind of got blown off. Yeah, I, I, I know. I think people just thought it was funny, you know, and it was just like I, I, that's again, I, I think it's there's one of more those- to that. It, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you talk about like rules and why is that dumb rule in there? Well, you you have to have a rule for everybody. It has to be a blanket rule. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about here. Like 
you can't what oh the cheerleader it's just a cheerleader shoving it won't okay okay what if what if the kid sweeping up the floor shoved him yeah gives him a little poke with the broom yeah it's the same <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah it's it was nuts it was nuts but i mean look speaking of jimerson he he has 23 points in this game i think he had 16 in the first half he went six of 17 from the field he was nice from three four of eight seven or nine from the line uh but he just got in that unfortunate pattern during the second half where he ends up with six turnovers that was and, that was uh, that was i felt like they happened all in a row it was just the same thing over and over right like there were at least three or four in a short span where it was like if you're going to go into the lane, have a plan because clearly yeah. they're not calling whatever little contact sent him to the floor a couple times. Um, Dalger had 14 and four. He was four of 11 shooting six of seven from the line. But man, this was one of those games where like those seven misses, you feel like all of them were just bad. Like, ugly. like his shot yeah. selection was really ugly in this game. Yeah. Ugly is a, the right word for it. We did see a lot more Bruce in this game, Zach, which I, awesome. I got to imagine. Yeah, yeah, you you have to like that. He's got nine and six and 26 really solid minutes. He did get into foul trouble and went to the bench with four fouls with about eight minutes to play. I kind of thought that was a big deal, too. That's kind of like an underrated deal of what happened here. He he came, he wound up coming back in late, but he yeah. did miss a good chunk there um, with under eight. And, and, and we were really good with him in this game. I, I just, again, it goes back to what I said last time. Like, you, let him play it through it. Like, who cares? If he fouls him, like, you took him out for eight to he comes back late. By that point, Drake is already back in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like you said, at eight minutes to play, we were playing fine. Play it out. Maybe we extend the lead more. You know, and, and we eat up time with... Maybe they have less opportunity going to the rim. I, I think you could really argue this one both ways because he's got four fouls. He's been a really crucial piece for you in this game. He's got four fouls. It's it's right around eight minutes. And you go, well, they've charged their way back into this game the whole second half so far, the whole first 12 minutes, right? It, we're about neck and neck from this point on. And are they just going to take it at him and try and pick on him for that fifth foul? Uh, maybe I take him out for a little bit shuffle things up and then i have him for the last few minutes yeah. um i i tend to agree with you i may have just played it out because like you're on the road you're like yeah you, you again like i talk about going for the knockout and, and doing you know rope and doping at home is one thing with the lead uh when you have the lead like that it, it, on the road you don't like it winning is hard on the road yeah uh i i think you just roll the dice and you go for it uh, i don't yeah I don't think, you know, last game of the year, Brent can't hold anything back now. Uh, I just think, I think you, you let him play. And if he falls out, go to, go to um, Steph. Yeah. Cause then, right. And, and, and if, if, if they're going to take it at Steph and, you know, he's a, he's a physical oh, player, he's not afraid to foul. He, he will put you on your ass. Yeah. So, so I think, I think you're right there. And, and like, look, like then you get to a point where you take him out. And if Drake goes on a little run or takes a lead and, or builds a lead like they did, now you have a situation where you're looking at matchups and free throws and fouls and all that kind of stuff in the last couple minutes. You're going to need to make three pointers if they take the lead. And yeah. So so it doesn't matter. Right. So, so it's, it's a different question at that point. So I, I definitely could see the argument both ways. It's just unfortunate that it went 
that way. I thought Medley had a really nice game, eight, yeah. three and three. He's tends to be a player who I think outperforms what he does on paper. And then you've got uh, Thames who had seven points on three of three shooting in 15 minutes. He did go to the bench looking like he rolled his ankle in the first half. Um, and then he returned. And then we saw again in Hofstra, um, he definitely, he, he, that ankle's definitely sore. So I'm glad we do have a, a full week uh, before the next game. Um, Hargrove fouled out with nine rebounds and uh, four points. I think the foul problem here was a combination of having to guard a 6'10", 275-pound center for some of the game, along with the fact that he was also nursing an injury uh, coming into the game. I think that's I think it's a little dual issue there for him. Um, and then uh, Slew actually out-rebounded Drake by three, Zach. What um, happens when you play a seven-footer? Yeah. I, <laughs> I well, thought... He, it was his best rebounding game, right? Because he's not a great rebound. He's not an. But he also hasn't gotten for many, all of his size. Yeah, he hasn't gotten uh, many minutes. Sure, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely yeah right. It's developing that part of his game for sure. Um, I don't know. Even though this this game it moves Drake to it moved Drake to eight and one on the season. Um, I, I don't think people have been really thrilled with the way they've played so far. You know, like I said, they were w- picked to win the valley but they haven't really beaten anyone great and they haven't run away with games either. So like, I don't know, Drake looks a little shaky to me and I know we've got a small sample size and just based on what we saw of the three Valley teams we play, we probably think Iowa or Illinois state finishes last Drake finishes in the middle and uh, Carbondale finishes first, but we know it's not going to happen like that. It's uh, it's just what you, what you get on those given days. But Anyway, wasn't super impressed with them at all. I I liked our game plan against them, especially in the first half. And uh, even in the second half, they were beatable. So it's unfortunate that this one got away. Yeah, uh, that was a um, 75-69. Nice loss. You can tell I'm tired because I missed that the first time. Uh, Loss at Drake. uh, Wednesday the 26th. A valiant effort. Just, um, you know, Drake... uh, Drake came back. They won it at home. Um, shout out, by the way, to former uh, SLU track uh, athlete. He ran a steeplechase. Scott Vicker uh, was in attendance for this game. Uh, I will note that he was wearing Drake gear um, due to him being a Drake fan and uh, the Billikens not being so good this year. <clears throat> Excuse me. He he sent me a message mid-game. He goes, I can't believe what I'm watching right now. Like at like halftime. <laughs> Like I have yeah. no idea what's happening right now. Yeah, he's like, I'm out here front running, you know, with uh with Drake gear on. Yeah, and, he, uh, I, and it's blowing I think up I, in my face. Him and the two other guys he was with were just beside themselves at like that. That this was how the game was going. I have to imagine so. If you're a Drake fan, it, that I mean, it was. I, I gotta say, the the crowd and uh, you know, I think we commented on this a couple times during the game was just they were co- very quiet yeah. um, until that second the game. Half. And then when you did hear them, especially in the first half, they were just whining, you know, over calls or or, or whatever. Yes, they got into it in the second half. It it, it really it took a while to to drag them into it. But uh, yeah, that they were they sounded very alarmed, you know. Like if if you come into a season thinking you're gonna be a tournament team for sure, and then a lousy slew team has you down 16 at home, uh, that's not a good halftime feeling, right there. No, no, it's not. I have to admit, I'd probably be doing the same. Um, 71 68 win versus Hofstra on Saturday the 9th. And initially, 
the biggest news from this game, or the biggest in, the biggest point of interest from this game, uh, Rammer says on the radio, and I was listening, I was at work, I was working, uh, I didn't have anything better to do than to work. Uh, he said on the broadcast, the radio broadcast, that uh, uh, I almost call him Ted and Magasa because that's, uh, but Abu Magasa, yeah, Abu Magasa is not going to be eligible this season. And he said it, um, they were, it was, uh, we're wishing a happy birthday to Abu Magasa, who unfortunately is not going to be eligible this season. Um, and I was like, come again mm-hmm. so when so my question is is when Stu is asking travis and chris may like they're, they're just letting Stu ask questions that and they're basically giving him the answer to exactly to his question and not offering this and then it wasn't asked about after the game, correct? Not to my knowledge. I didn't see anything. I I, I do know that people asked Stu to follow up on it. I don't know if he did, and they just didn't get to. I, I have no idea. Like It's clear they only wanted to talk about the positives after this game, but uh, that, that seems like, to me, why not, again, for the, for the millionth time, why not just, if that's, if that's the ruling, just say that. You know, like, like you don't have to people aren't going to necessarily be mad at you. If you're forthcoming with information, you you can make the NCAA the boogeyman, right? Like it, to me, this is, is just yet another example of like a not good reason to hold back a big piece of information from, from your fan base. It, it doesn't make sense to me. And so I guess there's always the off chance that Rammer misspoke or something like that, but so far i have no reason not to believe him i don't i didn't see him backing up on it or anything like that he he seems to know i mean look i i I can't imagine he would just blurt blurt out like he's out for the season right instead of saying like he hasn't been ruled eligible yet or something like that it's just it's it's wild i don't i don't understand what what is the like you said mate the ncaa can be the boogeyman like what is the wh- where are they expecting the negativity to come from? I mean, obviously there will be people who are like, yo, you needed big men and brought in a guy who can't play this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, are we getting back to a compliance oversight? I mean, that, maybe, maybe that, that. that's that's yeah. gotta be the that's that's the only thing where if somebody digs into it. They find out that, like, I mean, and I don't even know how you would dig up the fact that maybe the compliance didn't find it, right? I, I don't. I, I think the only the only thing I can think of is that they're just they're just trying to hide bad news. Um, if if people are already asking questions about compliance and clearance and things like that, when you've got a compliance job opening up in October, you've got four guys at the time waiting to be cleared by the NCAA one of one of whom needs a waiver because he's a two-time transfer I mean like there's sure like maybe you're just trying to avoid those kind of questions but I just I don't know why you just don't say we disagree like a lot of other schools we're seeing so many other schools right now very publicly supporting their players VCU West Virginia all kinds of schools saying we completely disagree with the NCAA's ruling but here's what they've decided 
and we're appealing. We, we don't like it at all. Slew can do that. And you know what that does is rallies the fan base behind yes. us yes. instead of just like sweeping bad news under the rug and hoping nobody notices, uh, you know, the, the guy who hasn't been eligible all year. I mean, is the NCAA in any way going to come back and be like, nah, lion sons of bitches, you didn't submit that on time. Never. Are they? Never. Never. No. Right. Yeah. So Make yourselves the good guys. Make them the bad guys. So unless there's some way to know that he, that paper or this was not, I mean, because certainly no, no Billiken fans have brought up the idea that Magasa played uh, uh, pro ball. Like uh, every international player technically is playing for a pro organization. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I mean, maybe the, the, like maybe one or uh, I, I think I've seen it. I, I mean, I've obviously that's the reason for the delay. Right. But nobody's, there's nothing else I haven't seen like obvious evidence that he was paid to play basketball. Right. Obvious public evidence anyway. Um, so it's not like I, it would. Yeah, whatever. Let's talk about this game. <laughs> yeah. Let's, I think we do need to set the table a little bit before we get into all of the, the comments and yes. you know questions and stuff after the game. We did win this one, Zach. You know, it was. Uh, I got was a, to watch two and a half minutes of it. Yeah, seventy-one, sixty-eight win over Hofstra on Saturday the ninth. Medley was uh, he was out with two fouls early in the game, and with Hughes and Meadows both out with injury, still it was kind of point guard by committee, including him. Uh, again, when Ford brought him back in with about eleven minutes in the first half, I thought that was an interesting move, uh, by the way. But we did see Churchich play uh, point a little bit, so. It wasn't just medley out there with uh, with a high n- higher number of fouls than you would have liked. One of the things that was really interesting in this game, Hofstra is one of the better shooting teams in the country, and they go three for f- 15 from three in the first half, despite what I thought was slew giving them a lot of room to shoot, um, as we kind of always do. The rest of the defensive effort I th- really thought was solid, but they had a lot of open looks that just didn't go in. Yeah, that was that, that I got a sense of from Rammer's call. Uh, was that they were open for a lot of their shots. And yeah. to be honest, Rammer sounded surprised every time they missed it. And I was surprised every time they missed it. Well, he and I both read the scout on this team, right? I mean, they shoot 40% from three. They don't miss a lot of those. If if they shoot you know, their normal rate, they hit six out of 15 of those. And this is a much different game at halftime yeah. than it ended up being, right? So So instead, they hit three of them. Slew's down two at half instead of being down eleven, and then um, Slew actually took the lead first in the in the second half with a quick Jimerson three, and then uh, Hofstra went on a little lo- a run, but it was it was pretty close the rest of the game. After that, it was a really chaotic finish though. Zach Hargrove Hargrove gets an offensive rebound and dunks with forty seven seconds uh, left to give Slew a one point lead. There's a and great then- dunk, by the way. Yeah, it really was. It really was. Thomas then missed back-to-back shots. Um, Hofstra gets offensive rebounds on both of them, and Hargrove stole it with 17 seconds to go. Great, de- great defensive. It play was right all, there. it was unbelievable defense. Yeah, just just so smart. Um, Hofstra got a little complacent out close to half court, and and Hargrove made him pay for it. It was a clean steal too. 
Um, so then Slew plays keep away, gets it to Jimerson, who's fouled with about 10 seconds left, made the first, missed the second, and then Carlos, their point guard, who if you if you kind of squinted a little bit uh, when you're watching, kind of looked like Collins out there. He was about the same size, had a similar uh, hair, hairstyle as, as, as Yuri did. Uh, but regardless, he he goes and drives at the other end. He's out of control. Good no call with Medley guarding him yes. with his hands up. Um, I think that was the right, you know, the right thing by the officials to let that go. Hargrove ends up with the ball and gets fouled again. Makes his first free throw, and then Ford, Ford called a timeout, and Hargrove winds up missing the second. Did he ice his own shooter here, Zach? I mean, someone someone suggested that Ford was having him miss on purpose not realizing Hofstra still had timeouts, but I don't know if I believe that because they still had two. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I Again, I'm watching on my phone, so yeah. hard to really tell there. Um, dude, I, again, that that about two-minute of game segment for Terrence Hargrove might have been his best as a Billiken other than, what, the home opener? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people said like he won this game for us. He made yeah. big play after big play after big play in the last couple minutes, and and I don't disagree. I mean, like he there were there was a big three in this game, right? He, and and he, we'll, we'll get to that. But he he when it was crunch time, when it really mattered, he just made so many big plays. He he's not exactly the the best on ball defender either. Uh, no, he's not, not he's not not the best defender period uh, i mean he can chase down he can use his athleticism but that mm-hmm. was not using his athleticism that was him making a read and just basically jumping a passing lane and and it, it the pass hit him in the chest or the midsection mm-hmm. it was it was incredible right yeah for sure um hofstra calls an immediate timeout after getting that rebound one point something seconds left 1.7 or whatever they inbound it got it past half court and then called another timeout with 0.9 seconds yeah so (laughs) they they were really trying to get themselves the best possible look but then that last inbounds play from the side they they couldn't get anything clean the ball gets tipped clock wears out uh zach i really was not impressed with their offense at all um, despite everything Hofstra does looking so good on paper coming into the game, right? They average over 82 points a game. They shoot 40% from three, 80% from the free throw line. And yet in this game, they just kind of settle into hero ball down the stretch. They didn't move the ball around that well, which is something they they do. Um, they generate a lot of assists, you know, uh, um, in their in their offensive sets. And then they tried to bait slew into fouls or at least the refs in, uh, to calling those fouls. And it just wasn't working, you know, like as good a player as Thomas is, his shot selection was really poor. And and their other guys, Carlos, Washington, Dubar, didn't really step up and get it done either. I, I just wasn't impressed with with how they played. I thought they very well could have won this game if they just kind of played like they normally do. Um, but I guess part of that is credit to Slew's defense for really, um, for the second game in a row, at least three out of the last four halves, Slew's defensive plan and its execution and effort have been there, I think. And 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 that, that was a big difference. You know, I tweeted that Hofstra would not go three from 15 in the second half, and that was true. They went four of 10, but they probably needed to shoot more and they probably needed to shoot better shots. It's just not really a reflection of what they're they're capable of, even though four of 10 is about um their average. Meanwhile, Zach, Slew got go. pretty close to shooting 33s. And what happens when we shoot a lot of threes? Yeah. Uh, what percentage is that? 13 for 29. 
35. Yeah, yeah, it's a little better than that, right? Because 13 of 30 would be like, oh man, you're making me do math. Uh, It would be close to 39%. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Do it more. Fire them up. Fire that pigskin. Exactly. Wait. So, so thirteen. Uh, whatever. Well, they're they were they're about forty. They were. That's over forty percent. Now that I'm yeah, thinking, it was they're good. over forty percent. That which is where you want to be, right? If you're above forty percent, right. that's a really good performance for a game. Jimerson, nice one, nice game. Yeah. So, so Jimerson, Dogger, and Hargrove all have great games here. Jimerson, twenty-one points on uh, six of sixteen shooting, five of eleven for three. That's his second really good game from the perimeter in a row. Two of three. We already talked about his missed free throw. Dogger. 20 points on 7 of 15 shooting, much better than he was the game before. 3 of 8 from 3, uh, probably more threes than you want him to take, but if he goes 3 of 8, that's not bad. 3 of 5 from the line, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, and the last number, Zach, those 5 assists were really key because a few of those were him on the perimeter, not taking the 3, but making the extra pass. Hofstra was daring him to shoot all day they were daring him they were giving him so much room at, on on at the three-point line and you could really see him start early in the game i think he was a little taken aback by how much they were giving him and he took a couple shots but then a couple times he hesitated and kind of waited for the guy to come out on him and was like really you're not you're not even giving me this respect but i think him going three of eight is probably better than we would have expected for giving him eight 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 looks um, but the five assists, a few of those came from him making that extra pass, finding somebody who was even more open from three and and generally better shooters, and they hit. And so a lot of credit to him for, I think, playing a much smarter game than he did at Drake, uh, much better. And then Hargrove, we already said, was the hero at the end, but he had 19 on 7 of 10 from the field. He was 3 of 4 from 3 and uh, only missed that one free throw. So seven rebounds to go with that. As usual, the effort was really there with him. I, you know, uh, hey, um, that's uh, 75% from three. I mean, see, I know I that. Think, per- I think you'd take that from anybody. I, I know that percentage. Um, <laughs> yeah. That one's an easy one. Again, uh, I shoot more threes, people. Uh, yeah. Medley, d- solid game. He, he led the team in rebounds. He did. He had eight. He was, he had six at halftime. And that was even after some foul trouble. And I kind of, I tweeted like, our leading rebounder is a 5'11 freshman point guard who had foul trouble. <laughs> like that's I don't know if that's an indictment of the whole team or just a sign that that kid really um rebounds his position well. But I think you pointed out we did a great job of boxing out and just giving him all kind of room. We saw that from Collins, you know. Well, I like, didn't see it. I was just saying that like back in the day. It like McCall and Mitchell were coming down with rebounds. I won't throw Jet in there because Jet was a freak, uh, and he was going to get his rebounds. But there were so many times where rebounds would kind of just fall to uh, Mitchell and McCall because you know Conklin or uh, Lowe or Remakin were boxing out so well. Yeah. And even in Collins too. I mean, how many rebounds did Collins get? Um, you know, there were there were games where he was he would get a, quite a few as well, and a lot of them would bounce to him first, right? It's just everybody has their guy so well boxed out um, and in great position. So, look, great production in this game from the fifth year guys, but it, it is a little worrying when you know your big three are the the fifth year guys, and you only get eleven total points from players who can actually return next season. So. 
if I'm looking for things to be worried about, there's one right there. But I got to say, after the absolute debacle at Carbondale, SLU responded with strong efforts in back-to-back games. Unfortunately, only one of those was a win. But I got to say, the effort was at least there, right? Yeah. I didn't I didn't like <clears throat> how the second half at Drake went, but three out of four halves, one out of two wins, and, and I really thought we were going to lose both of these games. And I thought they would probably go worse than they did. So credit where credit is due. They really stepped up. That yeah, they, said, yes. Oh, go, no, no go ahead. yes, no. I mean, look, I, I think again, you talk about uh, it's like an inflection point. What, what that Carbondale game was it? You know, it doesn't matter why it would happen. It could have been the players kind of folding. Ford Ford lost them ahead of that game. He gets them back for these two games. That's fine. That's great. But it is an inflection point, and it, I think everybody hoped it again. Whatever it takes to get this team to be successful, yes. I, I yeah. don't. I I don't care. Uh, I don't care who's at the helm as long as we win games and win them consistently and win a ten championships. I really do not give a shit. So then let's talk about uh, some other th- ways to motivate your team, right? And yes. I want to talk about Ford's post-game comments. And his quote was... "Well, hey, he hey, had- Hold on, hold on. Before we get to this, I want to point out that beginning of the season, I tweeted out some stuff, and Terrence Hargrove took issue with it. I didn't tweet at Hargrove. I just tweeted it out. Terrence responded. I said... Fans are going to talk. Let them talk. Let them say what they got to say. Prove them wrong this season. He politely disagreed with you and then blocked us. on. Yes, Twitter. he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> that is exactly to, what happened. To put a button on that story. But <laughs> but nonetheless, Ford's postgame comments here Good. included You know what? Quote, Good. Good. Yeah. Good. I'm yeah, glad he blocked sure. us. Like I said, like. And we're going to get into it, but it's a sh- it's a shame though because I would like to compliment him after some of the stuff. Yes, done I would. There, but but anyway. okay, but specifically to this show, we did uh, really great numbers. I've said that uh, this last show. I would love that we got great numbers because we're ranked in the top twenty five. I would yeah, much oh. prefer that. But I'll also say this: I will gladly give up twenty listens an episode if none of those guys listen to us. Mm-hmm. Like, just don't listen to us, please. Don't I, I please don't snip that out of context. And I, you know what? I, I, <laughs> yeah, what a, what a great uh, ad for the show. But I, I really, you know, look, I don't think all of them do, but I think things get to people one way or the other, right? Whether, whether some of them do or, or yeah. whatever. Um, his post game comments in this game, though, Zach, included a quote. These guys hear the negativity, but within our confines, we understand why certain things are happening. I told them, don't buy into the negativity. It's people who don't have anything better to do. And I I looked at that quote and I thought, I don't really have a problem with this until his last line, which I found extraneous, completely unnecessary because, (laughs) because (laughs) number one, you and I both take that a little bit personally, right? Yes. Because- and, and and I want to point out this. I don't think this is any sort of like self-aggrandizing that this is a direct shot. No, it, it was a this general is a, This comment. is a direct shot across the bow at the 
the most front and center people uh, among Billiken called pundits. Right, because I have no other other work like yeah, just, hardcore fans so, who use hardcore Billiken social media. Don't use the I word. Don't use the I word. Don't use the I word. Uh, people, go on. Just he, it, it's a shot at people like West Pine Bills. Um, you know the the people that are more individually on the platform. Uh, that are kind of you know infamous for but all, media. also as we've pointed out the last couple of weeks the dozens and dozens of people responding to every social media post of theirs with oh, with oh negativity God. which is yes. not us by the way we're not the ones you and i posting on their their instagram i am you know, not i am, I am a recovering like. reply guy so so my my point on this quote was i'm fine with it if he wants to tell his players in his locker room there's negativity out there. Tune it out. We got to be productive. Yeah. We, like whatever you say in there is fine. You don't then need to go to the beat writer for your team and then turn it back on the fans and be like, they have nothing better to do. W- look around the arena right now. You know, those seats are not full. You don't want to be. Um, those people had better things to do. You don't want to be insulting the people who are still coming and who aren't 100% happy with how things are going. There there are a lot of different segments of any given fan base in yes. terms of their level of interest, their level of commitment, and what they're putting into their fandom, and also the level of how they feel about the program at any given time. So there's a lot of different combinations of those. You get a lot of different pockets of the fan base, and I just don't see a need to insult any of them. Uh, so, so, so that's, that's, that's kind of my feeling on, on his quote. If he wants to use it in the locker room, fine. Just don't, you know, don't make it personal with the fans. Absolutely. Uh, I think we're in agreement on this one. I I did take issue with, uh, the kind of assuming that nobody outside their locker room can understand what's going on with this team. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, we're not stupid. Um, but again, we can't understand what's going on with this team because you don't say anything. You are, you are, it, it's back to the secrecy of the program and the athletic department is, um, at, at the top. Because I don't want to say as a whole, because I think uh, there are so many pro- programs within the athletic department that are very open and honest with their, with their fans. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I, like I said, I, as for the nothing better to do comment, um, I, I again, it's a direct shot at people like us in West Pine Bills. It, like again, uh, uh, you want to tell us that there are things going on that we don't know about, and our negativity is misplaced because of that. Go right ahead, uh, but don't tell me I have nothing better to do. Um, I, I'd right now, like after Carbondale, I would have rather run. I I, I, I would have rather done. I would have rather done anything else. I have I had so many better things to do than watch Drake. Right. After a after a 39 point loss. I have so many better things. I'll go out on a date. Like I'm <laughs> woefully single. I'd rather go out on a date than watch that. It's ridiculous. Look, I I, I I do want to mention, like, I I do want to fire back, though. Like, 
legitimately because uh, <laughs> the guy who's pontificating about uh, the negativity of the fans towards the players is he's the only one that's negative towards his players. Like I haven't found more than like reasonable, like, Oh, that was a bad, that was bad shot choice. Oh, uh, that's a bad foul. That's a dumb foul. I haven't found anything more than that about guys like Bruce Young, George Churchich, um, Steph Van Bussel. Uh, see, I see. I did it. I said it like you this time. Um, you know, I think Dolger gets a lot of stick, but he's a six-year guy. He's been around the block. You, we're, this is why you brought. We're, we're criti- cri- critical of him because he's not doing what you brought him in to do. Um, but like the irony of telling the fans that it's undue negativity and misplays negativity, it's ironic because we watch Travis Ford on the court weekly going ape shit. And, and he'll call a timeout because his player did something wrong. And he'll he'll motion to the guy like he's going to punch him. He's threatening physical harm to his player over them missing an assignment. Are you kidding me? Right. Like, who's being negative towards the players? Us? No. No. Dude, the only person that, like... They're they're not being negative to your players. They're being negative play towards you, and, and the direction at which you have this team going. So then, what do you make of his tweet the next day? <laughs> oh my god! Um, go ahead and read it. Very proud of our team's competitive spirit in the win yesterday. They rallied around each other and played with great focus and effort. Big shout out and thank you to all the Billiken fans that made Chaffetz Arena loud. We could feel your incredible energy. We appreciate your support. Dude, to me, this is like a husband that is like banished to the couch or like like a trial separation where he just starts becoming really buddy-buddy with uh, her friend's husbands, like his wife's friend's husbands. Like he's trying to like to inch his way back into like good graces by going, I don't know, like going around other fans to the fans that are still kind of half on board. Like they kind of like him. So, but, but he's trying to be more to them than just like petty. This it's just petty dude. You're petty. Like the first, the first two replies that I can see anyway. Oh God. uh, to this post where one one of them you know actually let's see I, here the, the great game i did see that one both of them follow, follow us but yeah one one of them says those fans you villainized yesterday those fans and Ooh. uh the other one was thank you to the quote-unquote fans who don't have anything better to do the nice. fans and season ticket holders are criticizing you own the fact that you're doing a terrible job we aren't calling out the players we are calling out you this is how money and support goes elsewhere. And then he, he adds, he adds, uh, the, uh, or he or she adds the, uh, the slew president <laughs> account after that one as well. So I, I think probably that one's pretty much in line with you or what you were just saying is people aren't being critical of the players, right? Like there's, there's definitely a lot of negativity swirling around the program right now. And I understand them wanting to be positive, but uh, I, I, I just, yeah, you're kind of. What? Let me ask you this: 
what would you in Ford's shoes, and there is all of this negativity, what would your public approach be after uh, that? After which? A- say after the Hofstra game, right? Like, so, so he makes the one comment where he's talking about negativity and not letting his get to his players and then takes a little shot at fans. And then the next day he, you know, he tweets out the tweet. We just, yeah. I so just where read. am I interjecting myself in? How, if you were, if you were in his shoes and everything was the same, now it's Hofstra post game. Okay. What, what are your comments then? And what's your approach after that? So I think it's, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's tough for the guys, you know, um, there, there's a lot of negativity out there. Um, much of it, um, much of it rightfully placed on myself. Um, I, I haven't been, you know, I, I, we didn't do a great job, um, kind of, you know, after last year, it was tough putting this roster together. Um, and we are, we're asking some guys to play out of position. Uh, we're putting them in tough spots. Uh, the, the players don't deserve the, the negativity. Um, it, you know, it's it, what's going on is, is our responsibility. And, and we as a coaching staff are working to put our guys in better positions going forward uh, to, to win basketball games. Yeah, I think that's all right. I, I like I think people would respond By the way, a lot. I just want to I just want to point out that I <laughs> I. Uh, improvise that into like no pete did well, not I put tell you me on the spot i put pete no, did not I could, tell yeah. me this was coming that's right because i i was struggling to articulate a point and then i i turned it i flipped it on you instead and yeah. and anyway you i think you acquitted yourself well and and i like that you take the pressure off the players and put it on yourself right and i i think honestly that is kind of the responsibility of that position and i know these are high he, he worked jobs. It. he worked at oklahoma state with gundy I'm a man. Right. I'm 40. Like you, you saw that too close up. Sorry, right. Yeah. That was while he was at Oklahoma state. It has right? to like have that, been. that whole rant has yeah, to have that, been. that happened then. So, yeah. So I, I think that's right. I think everything you said is right to just kind of be like, look, this, we know this season hasn't gone like you all have hoped. And we are aware of the negativity around the program, but today is step one in turning that around. And thanks for all um, of those who are still supporting us. And, 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 you know, I, and like you said, like kind of taking accountability for having players in difficult positions, playing out of position, um, playing through injuries and just being like, we're working on this. Trust me. Like, like we're, we're working as hard as we can, but just like, taking on some like self-awareness and, and, and responsibility, I think goes a long way. Yeah. And uh, that, that, I think that's kind of what's been missing. So I, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. By the way, I am shocked. I did not realize that Mike Gundy has been at Oklahoma state since 2005. He's still there. I thought he was, I thought he'd be long gone. <laughs> like, Oh, I, I mean, that's just how big schools, they just recycle coaches. Sure. Uh, so I was surprised. Uh, yeah, I, again, like uh, uh, it's easy. It is easy for me to do this because it's not my, I'm not on the spot in the, like I was on the spot, but I'm not in the spot. Sure. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So uh, again, but Travis has had months to realize that the fans aren't 
uh, he he has to know that the, like the, I mean, is he that self unaware? Is he that arrogant? I don't. I don't think so. I think it's just. Um, or is he just not paying attention because he's he's a he's a basketball guy? He's paying attention. He knows. I mean, he wouldn't he have made that that comment about fans and negativity otherwise. I, look, I don't know. I don't know why, Zach. I don't know if it's a self preservation thing or what. I, I really don't know. I I just I, I I would just like to see him take a different approach. Yeah. Um, with his comments, and I think a lot of fans would appreciate it too because. I, as much as you want to be positive after this win, let's zoom out and we're still a 200 plus net ranked team going crazy over a narrow win over Hofstra at, at home. home, you know? And like, if you had told me at any point in my fandom of St. Louis university, if there was a year where in the rankings of record slew was in the two hundreds, and trying to pump up a home buy win over a home. Nope, it's a, it's a, uh, it's actually a, is home it a home on home? home? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm all right with that. I think Hofstra is a good program. I'm fine with that. Okay. So, so, uh, but, but nonetheless, and no disrespect yeah. to Hofstra and what they've done with their program, it's just not like a marquee name, right? Like, like if we just beat Gonzaga or Hofstra is like uh, Hofstra. Hofstra's a name like the Ivy Leagues are a name. Like it sounds good to your fans because like they watched Hofstra upset a team 25 years ago. Yeah. And maybe maybe they even remember Speedy Claxton. Maybe they yes. even remember the guy who's now their head coach. Um and, and the the good teams that he was on back there. And and he's had some very Kevin Lish for head coach. Yeah. <laughs> so so I just uh you know. I, that that's kind of what I want to remind myself of, right? Is like I I'm I'm fine with the positivity and the excitement and everything, but like yeah. let's sort of like reset and zoom out and think about where we are and realize that there's still a really long way to go um, before we get too excited. But Zach, speaking of like trying to build positivity and hype around this, none other than NBA star Jason Tatum was in the house, and I think you and I kind of reacted a little bit differently to how slew, I, especially I, their social media, handled this. Yeah, I mean, I don't love it. I I was kind of egged on by somebody else, which tends to happen quite a bit, where like somebody will like you know that John Mulaney bit where is like he talks about the the airline and like he has his wife to just tell him his wife's sole purpose is just to tell him when there's an injustice. Like yes. that's everybody who texts me. Um, so somebody texted me like, you know, I can't believe they're gushing over Tatum when they just won a game and they could be displaying their players. I, I think, I think I, I thought having Tatum at the game was nice, Thought it was weird that when you tweeted out that Tate went over and talked to him in the middle of a huddle, like that's like, Tate, like, what are you doing? Don't leave the (laughs) huddle. Talk to him after the game. See him at. See him at like Lorenzini's or uh, you know, I don't know, Napoli or what's the what's the steakhouse they go to all the time? I don't know. I texted take, my buddies. They, take um, they were like you, at, at halftime, one of them texted me, You think he's gonna be around for the the conclusion of this? And I said, I think in about 15 minutes he's gonna be at Emo's at 40 in Hampton, uh, which is the, actually the last place that I ran into Jason Tatum in person in St. Louis. 
ran into, saw him in in person in St. Louis a couple of years ago. Uh, was was at that that emos on Hampton. Uh, but anyway, uh, he did stick around for the rest of the game. Went in the locker room uh, after afterwards, gave a little pep talk to the players. And I didn't. I didn't listen to it. Was it good? It was. It wasn't anything uh, too in depth. They they clipped about you know thirty seconds of it, and and it was cool. Like I, I wonder just what he, with him. He didn't I, say I wonder anything. what off the air stuff he said. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? And then I did see some stuff later on the players' social media, you know, like Bruce uh, getting his shoes autographed by him and, and stuff like that, because a lot of them do wear yeah. the Tatum design. Those um, are sweet shoes. Those are some fun shoes. Yeah. If I ever had any reason to wear basketball shoes, I mean, they, those are pretty cool. But I would, um, yeah. regardless, my my takeaway, and I and I, I know you kind of tweeted out it was kind of weird, and it's funny because I've uh, other people have have disagreed with me in the same way as well. Like the way that Slu played it up, they thought was a little strange, but I was just kind of like, "There's an NBA superstar in your gym, and now he's in your locker room, and he knows your your coaches, and one of your players' dads is his godfather, and like." even though he picked another program over yours seven years ago, it's objectively awesome for everyone. When you have the highest level NBA superstar that close to your program in the middle of the season, and he saw a win and came in and talked to you after. I mean, that's just like for those players, that's unbelievable, especially like for those freshmen, somebody like, um, like Hargrove, you know, I think Tatum would was three classes ahead of him. They may or may not have run it, not really ran into each other. You're talking about a freshman and senior at that point. Open gyms. Yeah, like like around, you know, kind of thing. And I know they they were in the same AAU program, but it, being a few years off is just a d- By the way, kind of thing. Uh, uh, if anybody looking for a Christmas gift for me, I'm a 10 and a half in the, uh, in the Jason Tatum wave runner. <laughs> All right. So noted, Zach, noted. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so my, my take and I'm, you know, look, well, maybe I'm letting my Shamanad bias show or whatever, but I don't think so. I think it's just objectively awesome to have that caliber of star around your program for any reason. I agree. I agree. So, so I disagreed with, with your comments that you kind of tweeted out, like, why is Slew playing this up? It's kind of, isn't this kind of strange? And, and so I, I, my other buddies on, on a text chain who went to Shamanad with me, I texted, like, I completely disagree with Zach here. And one of them pushed back and said, I think it's kind of weird too, how much Slew played it up, but maybe I'm off here. He's like, why were they playing it up so much? I know why they played it up so much. I mean, the, 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 just, just to, to deflect well, no, the, negativity. Well, no, no, I don't actually. I, I, I think it's a lot simpler than that. It's because the Nicer brothers are Celtics fans. They're major Celtics fans <laughs> and they're huge Jason Tatum fans. I'll tell you why it was all over this. I just thought it was, I, I mean, so I the cameras, know. the cameras were on him. Well, I mean, I don't think they're the ultimate decision makers on all the social media. I they? mean, I think they, even though they're the ones who are, I think they are, they kind of are. Uh, okay. No, I think Jordan is Jordan's the one who's the like, Jordan, I mean, both of them love Jason Tatum, but like, that's yeah, I, that's why it was played up as much. And I, uh, but I mean, I don't care. Like, I, I would have celebrated the win before going further into the Tatum thing. You know what I mean? Like, like I would that, have, I would, would that have, have put been out your the, next day stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. I, but I guess maybe you're trying to farm the engagement from Tatum quickly. Well, and that's what I got to say too. I, you know, the point I was just going to make is that 
the likes, the responses, all that kind of stuff on that were way higher than on any other sure. stuff all season long. Totally. Like posts, posts that have been sitting there for months, like, you know, or like not even as nearly as many likes as this had within minutes. I mean, this was up to like, you know, I, it, 12 minutes well, afterwards, it the, had like If you've got the hardcore, you, you might as well reach out to the casuals. Sure. And they were eating <laughs> it up, man. They were yeah. eating it up because like, like watching the, the, like the likes on social media, it was like we're just like watching a counter, you know, like yeah. spin, like spinning. No, I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, but, but my question is, could you get the same engagement an hour and a half later? I, I don't know. It's fine. Like, yeah. uh, it's not worth arguing about for sure. Like, uh, uh, it's not even like it's worth a discussion, but it's not something I'm gonna. It's not a hill I'm interested in. Gonna die <laughs> in dying on. Uh, no, it's it, not. It's not a band of brothers. I think I was I, very surprised when I saw the tweet go out. Um, that was that was kind of negative about it right and i yeah. like because i was i had already been like into it i was already like one of the casuals who was who was into it but no, it's, uh, I, it's fine yeah. no again like i thought it was weird and then i was kind of goaded into into being a little more angry about it and uh, so i was um De hargrove did say gave a little extra motive i'm sorry like a little extra motivation I'm sorry. I know it's a like, first of all, Hockman, can you write an article about some like actual stuff that's going on? Like the fan, like the, 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 the roller coaster of this year and like how, like, I don't know. It just seems like he ignores it until like, like every, everyone that matters in the media is ignoring the, the dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I keep saying that like Mizzou, the sooner Mizzou season ends, the better. Sooner their football season ends, the better, because nobody's paying attention. Right, right. Uh, so when things need to be, you know, paid attention to, like that's why that's why things that are bad, good for Missouri Bampers. Um, speaking of, uh, well, okay, I, I, I'll I'll start with a pot. Uh, I'm gonna be negative, but I have I, I don't. I have a joke that's really bad. Uh, look, Alexa Dat's first game is play-by-play announcer on the TV broadcast. Uh, this wasn't good. I watched, so I had a, a break at work, and I watched the last 10 minutes of the second half, uh, or the first half, and I would have rather just listened to the game. Oh, then, then, then watch it with that play by play. Yes. So, so my understanding is this is going to be the first of five games for her this season. Like she's splitting a dozen games with Scott Warren. I, I think thought, gonna do I seven. thought this was going to be, I mean, I didn't know how many, but that's, I didn't, I don't think there was ever a number put on it that I was. So, so, so number one, I don't think she's ever done play by play for any sport, any sport. And and especially basketball. Like she's normally not covering basketball, right? Like she's normally covering the Cardinals more. Yes, uh, blues. She's, she's on the. Blues. She's yeah. She's in the um, studio for the blues. I know that. And she's good in the watch. studio, right? Yes, like she's, she's, great. she's fine. Yeah, and and I thought on all of the like non play by play stuff, the like the lead ins, the the the, you know, the yes, stuff you do before you go to commercial, butter, yeah. the halftime interviews and stuff like. She was good at all that. She my my really joke good. was going to be: Why is there a woman commenting on men's basketball? I I don't even want to dignify this with a wise act. <laughs> 
Sorry, that that was that was never mind. That was gonna be my joke complaint, but my real complaint is that like I it could like give give me I don't know who's a who's a what what about uh like I don't know give me any other woman who's done play by play before. My point is, uh, go on, Pete. You go ahead and kick it off. <laughs> I'm I, I I just I hope all of any, any angry comments go to Zach. Um, yeah, no, I'm that. kidding, guys. I I'm <laughs> I'm just kidding. That that was a. It, it, was, it was funny to see the um, the the old guys on Billikens.com. Some of them saying like, "I think she's doing a fine job," and one of one of them even said, "I normally don't like when a woman does play play, but I think she's doing a fine job." That's because she like, wasn't talking. And I was like, "What? <laughs> what? What year are these comments from?" But regardless, bonk. They needed. They all needed to be bonked. I, I, if if I'm actually getting into the like the what like her her play by play, she just left way too much air between what was going on. Like when you My, call, so so I actually think so. There's Rammer, this right? Is, this and, is this positive spin, and Rammer calls spin. every single motion, every single detail. Yes, and some people think that that's like too much, right? Like you, you don't like every single thing. Like he gets in as many actions as possible. She was doing more of a baseball or a soccer thing where there's, there's downtime. You let the, the crowd noise, you let things happen. And like the best soccer announcers don't call every touch of the ball, right? Like there are, there are things that they let go and, and same with baseball. Like, like you, you, it just it just felt to me like she was doing more of that kind of thing and it, there were there were way too many periods of just kind of downtime and then throughout the game she was definitely leaning on high mark oh yes as the color commentator way more than you would normally hear and and credit to scott i thought he did a great job of filling in yes. a lot more air than he normally would and and he has a very he's just such a calm like like speaker and i think he's a really good presence for someone like her doing play-by-play play the first time who might have those first game jitters as you would, or I would, or anybody yes. would. Um, I, and I don't think it was lack of preparation or anything. I mean, I, she seemed to know like the personnel and stuff like that. So I don't know, maybe I'm wrong there, but I think it was a combination of first game jitters and just having the kind of wrong approach to how to call a basketball game. I, I just, there was way too much dead air in, in from what I was hearing. Yeah, it almost felt like she would get behind on a play, like she wanted to do it, like she wanted to give more, but -hmm. she would fall behind and And then then, let it go and then let it go and then just try to find her next anchor point where she could throw something over. It was literally like five words from Alexa over to you. Hi, Mark. Yeah, it was it was. It, it was. It she was wasn't tough, calling right? the game. She was just. It was like it was like if I were interviewing Scott Highmark about what was going on on the court. Well, it, it, she had much more. She almost sounded like color commentary too. Like like he would send it back to her, and then she would give another comment about like more of an analysis than like an like a, a description of the action. Yeah. It was a very and, different. Yeah. So so I don't know what the the how the management process works and like how her approach will change next time in terms of like the comments that she's going to get from whoever her bosses are or anything like that yeah. i have no idea um i i don't know if i love that slew basketball is going to be the sort of training ground for first time play by play people i don't as like maybe they all. they they work their way up to more 
important properties for you know the local sports uh you know if, re- if the regional network freaking sports is gonna even have is gonna exist yeah who knows but like i, I just they're kind of like well you know we'll we'll throw you out on this one and see how you do and and you can you could cut it's disrespectful i think i mean i don't the numbers are the numbers right like that's it's not a cardinals game it's not a blues right game. i understand that but, but again, um, like I think, I think as as if you're St. Louis University athletic department, whoever's handling this, like I'd have a problem with that. Yeah, I I, I mean, I I would I, I I would negotiate down to two or three games, not five. But, uh, and it would be against I don't know. It would have been at the beginning of the season. Well, they probably, yeah, well, they probably looked at this game as not one that would be a big deal, right? Like, I, a day I game. Yeah. I feel like was, day game, that, it's a little different too. Day games, they're a little yeah. more, yeah. And, and Hofstra is not a, a name that jumps off the schedule. It's not a, yeah, you know, NC State's coming up. There's a few others that are a little more names. I don't know. But regardless, I, I just, I hope she changes her approach. I mean, she's, she's clearly, she's a person who's been, on camera and doing sports media for a long time. Uh, if she, I think she's got enough skill with the microphone to be able to do it, it just, she just needs to completely rejigger her approach to the game. Yes. And I don't, maybe, maybe part of it too, is just not knowing basketball. Like she knows other sports. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, just not, not a super auspicious start for her, uh, play by play career. Unfortunately. No. Um, I don't know if I even, first of all, I don't even know if I want to get into the bigs because I am dying inside. Um, well, well, you know what? Next week, because both the men and women only have one game. Yes. This week. Yes. A hundred percent. I, but I also don't want to know if I even want to ask this question because it's giving credence, like where, where would this team be right now? If it were at full strength. And I, I want to, purposefully exclude Ezawiro and Magasa mm-hmm. because I do not want to, because the recruitment of Ezawiro, uh, I'm sure he's a great guy, great player, but like you can't, when you need a, a upper class big, you cannot recruit a guy that may not be eligible. Sure. Um, and Magasa, we are going to operate under the, the Rammer announcement that he is no longer going to be eligible. So with Parker, Meadows, Hughes, Van Bussel, Jimerson, Hargrove, I, I mean, do we win the Drake game? Uh, where well, Things could be different. Obviously, uh, Carbondale was Carbondale. I, I don't know what changes there, but no, Drake is a, little, is a different story. Yeah, I mean, and and there's sort of a butterfly effect thing, right? Because like, if if you have all these personnel, maybe your approach to a game is different. Yes. And sometimes necessity, being the mother of invention, gets you to try things that you wouldn't otherwise try, and maybe they work. We lost by five to Utah State. We lose by six to Drake. Um, no, the result at Southern Illinois would not have been any different. Maybe you beat Dartmouth by more than one. Uh, maybe you beat Hofstra by more than three, but but with that one again, you're you're wondering about the approach. Do we take a different approach? Um, because we did have more of these guys available when we lost to Vermont and Wichita State. Yeah, you you talk so, about so, 
So, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe we have two more wins than we otherwise would, but I still think there would be some concerning things um, about the play style regardless. Uh, you talk about play style, and there was a great post, I thought, on Billikens.com uh, from Cheese Man. I still... That's there are a lot of people on that board who I've met. I have never met Cheese Man that I know of. That is, it's just so funny. Um, he said, "What did he say?" It was, uh, it was on the uh, the play style, and he said, "Where is this?" Just look at your texts. I think that would be the easiest. Yeah, that find would it. work too. Because you texted me um, a screenshot. I did. I texted, yeah, I texted, uh, oh, that's not it, uh, different one, sorry guys, bad radio, um, he said, uh, in the post today, Ford said that he has had to dramatically change his approach this year more so than any other year, uh, he said he likes to run and press, but with only eight healthy players, he's had to slow the game down, um, <laughs> and Cheeseman's kind of commentary on that was that, this actually makes sense, except this is what he's done every year here, usually because he settles on eight players, even if he has a healthy roster. Problem is a, a con can only work once or twice with the same people, but when you trot out the same old excuses, people can see through it. That is where he is at now. We are tired of the same old excuses. At least have the courtesy to give us some new excuse. As an old boss told me once, he can accept a follow-up by an employee but at least have the decency to throw to blow a different color smoke up his shorts. <laughs> God, he's um, old, isn't he? Yeah, he cheese a, man is really that's old. That's funny. Yeah, if not, that's oh. an old man. That's like something his grandpa and he, and he something. avoided swearing. You know, I, I do think the, the best point in there is that he just does kind of settle into a shorter rotation, right? Like of, yeah. of eight or so guys. It's just like not the eight that he would have picked, I yeah. think. Right. I think like that's really the only difference. It's it's not that we don't have enough guys, it's just like now we don't have the guys that he would be playing. So so you <laughs> that that is kind of a good point there. And um and you do kind of see some of the same patterns um happening again and again. But anyway, yeah, that's I guess it, my point to that was like, yeah, he keeps telling us like like okay, so you had to slow it down more than last season. Uh, be you, did you have injuries last season? Because you didn't run, yeah. you didn't run and gun last season, Travis. Like I again, like stop telling us you're gonna play fast. It's been eight years, dude. Does he forget? Does he have like twelve month amnesia? Like I don't understand. Or is he again? He just that's just bullshit. Yeah. All of it, man. I'm tired. Of yeah. It. I yeah. I just think. uh Right. Again, it comes back to just being a little bit more accountable. The last point I want to make on this, Zach, this this whole thing for this week is just that we two and a half million dollars is a lot of money. And yes. there are a lot of guys getting that salary or in some cases less, some cases more. Um, this is a really low pressure job in the context of the overall landscape of college athletics. Yes. And that's 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 a really big salary for I think what slew is in terms of the pressure of this job. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And yes, I, I, I I think and to that point, like 
to go back to his comments, like you, you coached at Oklahoma state, you coached, you know, in the big leagues. Like, what do you imagine, imagine you go at fans like that at Kentucky. Imagine you're at your dream school of Kentucky and you say that. And your net ranking is in the two hundreds, you know, and, and, and like, I just, it's just unfathomable. Right. So like he, he may not like the negativity or the pressure or whatever, but like, this is so much less, less pressure than you yeah. would face at a power, at a football school, at a big E school for the most part, maybe, maybe not to Paul. Um, but like that's, he's making more money than Xavier's ever paid a coach or a lot of the teams in the big East have ever paid a coach. Maybe now, that the Big East has kind of become that, you know, the Power Five plus one. They're that conference. I they do have coaches making that much or more. Yeah. Yes, at like UConn and Villanova, blah blah blah. Yeah, that's fine. Maybe Sean Miller is up to that amount now at Xavier, but he certainly wasn't last time. Chris Mack didn't get paid that much, and that's just one of the the the. I think actually Shaka is now making three million. So so the Big East is only now are most of those programs crossing that threshold. You know what I mean? Like he is being paid like a well-compensated Big East coach for not nearly the pressure that those guys would be facing at a Villanova, at a Marquette, at a Xavier, at, at a lot of schools. And, and, and so I just, you got to be able to handle it with more grace than snapping back at people. Because man, like this, you're not, the, the numbers of people that he's hearing chirping with any negativity, you and I, any of the other people on social media or, or wherever um, who might be responding. It's just, it's, it is a fraction. It's a fraction of what you would feel other where other places. And not just that, as you said earlier in the episode, the media environment in St. Louis is so low pressure. Like, like their slew is barely even registering. Like they'll go to a slew game. If there's nothing else going on at that given time, um, they're all following Mizzou football more closely. Cardinals off season is always the number one. <laughs> like we like, let they alone followed when, a guy who wasn't going to sign with us. Let, let alone when they're in season, you know, the, you've got the blues and then just anything else that might be going on. The Billikens are way down. And, and so, so his compensation is massive compared to the pressure that he's under. And, and I, so, so to me, that just says like, you don't, you don't need to act like that. You can, you can be a lot uh, more dignified in your responses to this kind of stuff. Like if you can't handle it there, you're right. Like, how did you make it eight years at an Oklahoma state or, or, or places like that? I mean, it had to be deafening there of complete pressure cooker and it's only getting worse every year at all of those schools so i just i just wanted to make that point of like chapley said it in the in the twitter think tank episode but like that's what's what the money's for you know yes. like it, i i don't mean to be he doesn't need it about either, it but people. like but like look that that's that's a very healthy salary and that's what it's for it's to be able to handle the pressure that's I, why I that's why C- ceos make millions of dollars not because they are making they are working hard day to day like they're 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 getting paid what they're getting paid because they take all the blame and all of the the the, they are front and center for everything that goes right or wrong 
I can't think of many other jobs that pay two and a half million dollars a year with less pressure than this one. There, are, you, there is not a single one. Unless you've like inherited a company and you've got an executive position because you're something the fourth or fifth or whatever, and and you're kind of a screw up and you're not as good as your grandpa or great grandpa or whoever was. I can't think of another way where you'd be making a salary of two and a half million dollars with less pressure than the slew head coaching job. So I just wanted to put that out there. This you don't need to be putting in the results um, of a Gonzaga or whatever every year for a happy fan base at slew. I think that's fair to say. So they can say what they want about negativity from the fans, but um, good Lord, if you can't handle this, I don't know what to say. By the way, Mark Few makes 1.8 million. That can't be right. Is that right? Uh, that's true. Uh, he it, makes 1.8 million annually from his base salary. I was going to say maybe there is a lot of incentives there, there and because they be. always win their conference and go into the ter- deep in the tournament. But uh, yeah, anyway. uh, Otzelberger makes. Oh my God! There's rankings. Holy shit! For what coaches make? Yeah, yes. so that that's all out there. But I I just I didn't want to let that go completely without just saying like let's put this in perspective. But Dennis Gates makes two point five mil. There you go. There's more pressure, more pressure down I seventy. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, he's not on this list because yeah, he's and, not... and I, I know private schools are a little more opaque. Yeah, that's why. Uh, yeah. Pete, let's kick it around the A10. Yeah, let's do it, Zach. Uh, a couple days without games this week. No, no Monday, no Thursday. But on Tuesday the fifth, number seventeen, Tennessee. Buried George Mason, 87-66, kind of as expected there. Um, George Washington took down Navy in overtime, 79-77 Did you say they sunk them? (laughs) You know what? I would. I don't know if I would on mic, but yes, I I probably would. Uh, And my my wife would groan and my kids would be split. (laughs) They will pretty soon, but they'd probably laugh for now. Tulsa 88, Loyola 77 was the last result of the day on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday the 6th, LaSalle beats Loyola, Loyola Maryland, 62-61. Uh, Davidson beats Campbell, 62-50. Uh, the New Jersey Institute of Technology, literally the the like the picture, the, the poster boy, for terrible college basketball programs, beats Fordham 80 to 77. Uh, Duquesne 85, the Thundering Herd of Marshall 72. Towson Tigers 81, UMass 71. Uh, Brown 67, Rhode Island 64. Uh, St. Joe's beats the American. Are they the Eagles? They better be the Eagles. 69 53. Uh, Memphis beats VCU 85-80. You hate to see it. Hate to see it. Uh, Bonaventure, uh, 94. Niagara, 60. Northern Iowa, 78. Richmond, 73. They are the Eagles. I had to confirm. I was like, that sounds right, but I just want to make sure. 
On Friday the 8th, Duquesne beat St. Peter's 68-59. And then on Saturday the 9th, Dayton beat Troy 82-70. UMass took down the flagship UMass Loyola 91-77. LaSalle 67, Lafayette 51. Um, Davidson beats Miami, Ohio 79-61. St. Bonaventure ran away with uh, this one over Siena 89-56 in the battle of Franciscan colleges in the state of New York. Uh, Florida beats Richmond 87 to 76. Loyola, Loyola, Zach, 115. Goshen College, 64. Uh, 115 is a great big number for Loyola. And then George Washington takes out Coppin State, 76 to 45. I think George Washington is 6-0 and at home for the first time in a long time. So uh, I'll kick it to you for Sunday the 10th. By the way, how dare you mispronounce the flagship? Uh, that would be UMass Lowell. You I said, said Lowell? Loyola. You said Loyola. I, I said you, UMass whatever. Loyola. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you said. Uh, I'm, I you, said Lowell. It, it happened. Don't, don't test me. I uh, thought you were going to say I said Goshen College wrong, and no, I, I said it right. Uh, I wouldn't know that. They're the Maple Leafs, by the way. Goshen College. Shout out Carter Chapley. Um, Sunday the 10th, Fordham 60. uh, Phil Forte's Mean Green 59. uh, St. Joe's 74, Princeton 70. Charleston. That's a a big win, by the way. Princeton was one of the last undefeated, I think one of the seven or eight last undefeated teams in the country. And they were ranked? Ooh, I don't know if they were ranked. If they were, it was – I should have put it in there, shouldn't I? But I, I don't think they were. Uh, Char- Charleston, 85. Rhode Island, 70. Uh, VCU, 86. Alcorn State, 58. Uh, next up for the Billikens will be Saturday the 16th versus Louisiana Tech. I believe they're just the Texters. No, they are the um... – it's no? it's uh it's an animal. Uh, it's a it's a really common one. Are they the uh, tie? Uh, well, I just looked at them. How do I not know what they are? Uh, bears. They're the bulldogs. Sorry, bulldogs. Because right. that that you know why? Because they call them the Duncan dogs. That's their that's their nickname. Ooh, the that's fun. It is fun. And then <laughs> I should have I should have remembered that. Uh, but anyway, they're eight and two. They've got wins over Louisiana Lafayette. Just who just goes by Louisiana now. Stephen F. Austin, Nichols State, who I think just goes by Nichols now. Dillard, lower division school. McNeese State, might go by McNeese now. Southern Utah, Louisiana Monroe, and Lyon College, another uh, lower division. Their only two losses were pretty high-quality losses at Colorado State, who was ranked as high as 13th uh, before losing this week, and at New Mexico. The pit is always a tough place to play. And then on Tuesday, before they face the real slew, they will face the other slew of southeastern Louisiana, um, hopefully take them down and show them who the real slew is. Uh, head coach Talvin Hester is in his second season at the helm of Louisiana Tech. It's his first D1 head coaching job after being in literally a dozen different schools as an assistant coach, mostly in Texas. Um, he went 15-18 and 18 last season in his first year there. This team, Zach, is all about defense. They've held opponents to 61.2 points a game. And teams shoot just 36.9% against them, including less than 41% inside the arc and just over 29% from outside. 
they are among the top in the country in all of those metrics. They really lock it down defensively. I think the way that their fans see the team is summed up on a quote that I found after that um, Stephen F. Austin win. This team will win a lot of games with relentless defense and a good plan, even when the shots aren't falling. So that's their calling card for sure. Isaiah Crawford's their leading scorer. He's a 6'6", 220-pound senior forward, 14.5 points a game, 5.3 rebounds per game, 3 assists per game. Daniel Batcho is a 6'11", 235-pound junior from France, 13 points a game, 10.5 rebounds a game. He transferred from Texas Tech and wasn't eligible for the first two games. He was cleared after that, so he did miss that loss to Colorado State. Not sure if the result would have been any different, but he's clearly a key to what they do. Um, and then there's Talik Chavez, who's a 6'2 senior guard, averaging just under 12 points a game. He just scored 30 against Louisiana Lafayette the other day. That was their most recent opponent. So not surprising that he's the one who would go off like that, but also that he's a bit inconsistent. He's the one who shoots the most threes on the team. He takes about seven a game. And there's nobody else on the team who shoots over three per game. Um, they also have a guy on their roster who slew offered back in the day. He was a, I think he was out of Mississippi in high school. His name's Devin Ree. He's a six eight sophomore, transferred from Louisville. He averages eight point eight a game. Long, lean, athletic guy. Um, I think he'll be a good, a good college player. Um, they've been without their point guard, Sean Newman Jr. for the last three games. I don't know if he'll be back in time for SLU or not. I really can't find much on his status. Um, so I'm guessing it's kind of a day-to-day situation without him. They've kind of been sloppy with the ball, um, including turning it over a lot. And they, they blew a huge lead against Louisiana Lafayette before holding on to win. They were running away with that game at halftime. And I think they only won by five. He's a guy who, uh, you know, he kind of is the glue of the offense, averages about five assists a game so it's going to be a big factor whether he's back or not i think for our game so that's louisiana tech in a nutshell zach and uh it's really going to come down to their defense and how we respond to it how much do you think uh, their head coach gets paid oh i didn't look that up but i can't find time... it oh, no i literally can't too, find for, it, no. for a for a public school yeah, I mean, um, I I can't just Google it. Like everybody, every other one, I could just Google it, and it would be the first thing. It doesn't matter. Yeah, um, I would guess. I I don't know. I would seven, guess seven seven hundred or so. Yeah, it's probably right. probably what I guess. But by the way, they are uh, they're in Conference USA, and I don't know if you've looked at Conference USA this it's, season. It literally the, is USA. It is the weirdest. Louisiana Tech, Liberty, Western Kentucky, UTEP, Sam Houston State, Middle Tennessee. Jacksonville State, New Mexico State, and Florida International. That is who's left in the conference that we were in until 2005. Is there a single team in that conference that we were in the conference with? No, not one. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's I like it's it's just amazing to me to look at that. Uh Pete, we talk a lot about um uh you know, criticizing your fans. Do you know who never criticizes their fans? <laughs> two men in the garden right. not only doesn't criticize their fans they give them what they want on a on a daily basis and uh that's a high quality product all the time zach i was good i got online i was going to place a nice order because i'm due and i was going to try some of those partner products and then i remembered i'm going to be in st louis in eight days uh it, well a week as you're listening to this i'm coming in with my kids for some 
family holiday time uh, the week before Christmas. Unfortunately, there's no slew game in town while I'm there, but my parents live literally across the street from Schnooks, and uh, I have easy access to Two Men in a Garden products there. And they're they're pretty centrally located, so they're not far from a lot of other places to pick up different stuff like the Harissa sauce, which is not on their website yet. Um, put that on, by the way, if you're listening. Put it on the website. I'll buy it. I promise. So, yeah, I'm going to be in town. I'm going to grab stuff while I'm there. Really excited for that. And if you're not going to be in St. Louis anytime soon and you want to pick it up, remember that shipping is $9.99 anywhere in the continental U.S. And they're at twomenandagarden.com. Women's basketball. Congrats to head coach Rebecca Tillett uh, for receiving the MAC's Carl O'Bauer Award as the top amateur sports figure in St. Louis area. Much deserved after taking the women's basketball program to its first ever NCAA tournament appearance in her first season. She, and I again, I think it bears repeating, she is the first coach to take two teams to the NCAA tournament in back-to-back years in her first year, I, I think. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't her first year at Longwood. I don't know. It doesn't matter. She she did a really good job last year, so she won the Carl O'Bauer Award. Uh, she's the 20th Billiken to receive the award, with the most recent recipient being Yuri Collins in 2022. Uh, there's net rankings for the women as well. Um, uh, not a great starting ranking either. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah. And, and I, I put a note in here for like, you know, after the, the games this week of what to say about them, but it's, it's true that they've just been inconsistent, right? Like I, I, this is a really hard team to figure out, uh, to me, they've played a decent enough schedule, but I think the losses to, um, you know, uh, you've got Ball State at home, Southern Illinois on the road, Wichita State on the road. Um, both of those games out in Hawaii that you know were not against lower division teams, and then the Drake at home. I I, I just I I'd love to see what's all. I know there's a lot of noise in the net early on, and they really put a lot of stock into margin of victory, margin of defeat. So I think that's part of it. Is sometimes when they have lost, it's been by a lot. And uh, so anyway. We'll see that kind of smooth out and that number will come down over the course of the year. I would just love to see them settle into more of a groove. They've got a healthy Martinez back. Even if she's not 100%, she sure plays like it. So, um, I, you know, hopefully hopefully that will come down. But started at 234. They're all ready to 206. I, I, I think we'll see it improve as, as we go on. You're on mute, Zach. All right, uh, Pete, I'll go ahead and take the Southern Indiana game, and then I'll kick it over to you for the SIU Carbondale game. Uh, 89-53 win versus Southern Indiana on Wednesday the 6th. Uh, this game saw the return of Julia Martinez. Uh, she and the Bills made it a good one. Uh, Southern Indiana, not exactly a powerhouse, uh, but still, uh, you win by 36 points. That's a fine showing. Uh, she finished with 10 points, 9 rebounds, and 7 assists in 19 minutes. Pete, almost a triple-double in her first game back from injury. Um, just Welcome incredibly back. impressive. Um, yeah. Kyla McMakin had a had a McMakin game. Uh, led slew with 27 points on 9 of 21 shooting. 
including six of 10 from three and three of three from the line. Ken Calhoun had 11 points and six assists. Uh, Markavius Shavers had 10 and eight. Uh, Peyton Kennedy finished with eight and nine, only three of 14 from the field and 0 of six from three. Uh, she, uh, I, I'm shocked that she's human, uh, first of all. Uh, but great to see, of course, others step up uh, with her being off as she's kind of carried the load the last few games. Mina Castro has seen her role grow since Julia Martinez's injury, and she came off the bench in this one, put up 11 and 6. 12 different Billikens got in this one with 10 of them scoring. Turnovers were way down in this one with 14 total. They punished USI for their 18 turnovers, uh, garnering 29 points off of them. The Billikens out-rebounded the Screaming Eagles 53-28. to Offensive boards were 20 to 5, and second chance points were 25 to 2. USI, as I mentioned, not a good team. Uh, entered this game 297th in the net. Uh, but, you know, you got to have a get right game sometimes. Yes, you do. That was a good one. Uh, unfortunately, though, they dropped one on the road at SIUC, who was higher rated in the net. I want to say they were like 130 ish. So they would have been favored in this one, but nonetheless, you would have liked to see SLU keep some positive momentum going. And they lost 75-67 on Saturday the 9th. It was actually tied at halftime, I think at 37, and they were down one after three, but the wheels just came off in the fourth quarter, really came down to shooting. SLU went just two for 16 from the field, one of seven from three. It's really hard to stay in a game, a one-point game when you shoot like that. SLU actually shot 34.4% for the game. That's their lowest of the season. And they got out-rebounded by 16, 46-30. to 30. Turnovers, fouls, both pretty even. Neither really a decisive factor in the big picture of this one, especially the fact that it was on the road. McMakin had 15 points. She was 5 of 18, but she was 4 of 8 from 3. And this performance made me look up her stats because coming into the season, I said, I really just want to see her be more efficient. And she's done that. She shot 32% from the field last year. She's up over 40% this year. That's a big difference. She's 39%, Zach, from three, uh, from being just 25% a year ago. And some of that has to do with the emergence of Peyton Kennedy and her um, becoming more of a scorer. Brooklyn Gray is there to take some of the, the pressure off McMakin. And she's just taking fewer shots. So I think her shot selection has improved. So McMakin has become exactly the player I've wanted her to be this year. I just, I got to say that um, she's been very good. Brooklyn Gray also had 15 points. She went four from eight from the field, seven for seven from the line. This team is always going to punish you when you put them on the line. Unfortunately, they just didn't get there enough in this game. Camry Clegg was third on the team with 11 points. Kennedy, relatively quiet scoring night. She had eight, but did lead the Bills with six rebounds. Tierra Simon actually started this one over Markavia Shavers, although they only played 16 and nine minutes respectively. Shavers did get into foul trouble, though. Zach, they still haven't quite figured out how to replace Flowers um, in that five position, particularly after Flowers emerged as such a legitimate scoring threat over the course of last season. We talked about the money ball approach. It just hasn't quite gotten to where it needs to be yet. And, and maybe we'll see till it work her late season magic. A lot of players looked a lot different down the stretch last season than they did in the non-conference and, and, you know, we'll see them settle into more of a groove, but um, that's just something that I've noticed is they're just not getting, especially offensive production out of that position. Um, 
SIUC, meanwhile, had two players with double doubles, both of them forwards, neither of them over six feet. And they had another player who scored 26. And as I was looking, I noticed they have a few great names on this Saluki's team. Oh, my God. Tyranny Brown. And yes, Tyranny, just like I'm saying it. Um, Tyranny Brown, Sequoia Almond, and Page Club. I, I just, I, I love all three of those. Those are just great names. Uh, all, all Sequoia Almond sounds like a, the name of a, a, a um, like a hippie band. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Cause you've got like the, the suggestion of the Almond brothers in there, but yes. it's also spelled M O N D, uh, but with two L's. two L's. So it's just, it's like a little two off. L's. It's like, yeah. She also but, misspelled uh, leg two L's. No, that's a line from that's a it's a throwaway line from Bring It On. I am so sorry. Never seen Bring It On. Oh my god, that's a classic. That's the biggest reaction I get out of you this whole show is I've never seen Bring It On. Yes, I don't know, man. Books. Anyway, go on. Uh, so Slew's next game is at Green Bay on Saturday the sixteenth. Like I said before, both the men and the, and women this week they're off mid season. They both play Saturday, so it's going to be a light week. For basketball for the Billikens. Uh, I was also wrong about the line. It was two G's. She misspelled leg with two G's. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, next up, Green Bay, as you said, uh, as broken on the Midtown Madness podcast, uh, field hockey uh, will be getting an on ca- an on med campus facility uh, near Shoto. Avenue in the spring with construction expected to be done for the start of the 24 season, Pete. Yeah. And I'm looking at a map right now, Zach, because I want to get you pinpointed the exact spot that this will be. It's going to be adjacent to the, uh, I think there's a walking path. Yes. Between the uh, track and where this will go. Yeah, that, so that would be the walking path is like kind of an extension of what would be Virginia Avenue uh, between Shoto and LaSalle right there. So like West Pine. Yeah, yeah. Think sure. of it like, like West Pine. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. So so that's kind of what it is if you're coming off of LaSalle Street toward the track. Um, so yeah, so right there. I, th- I think you're probably right um, in terms of where that, that's great news, though, Zach. Yes. I mean, this is long overdue perfect I mean, timing after the carbondale beat down yeah yeah for the announcement to come out i know i love you love a good monday morning news dump right as our show is uh is releasing hey we broke um, the news yeah <laughs> but uh that's it's it's great news i mean yes. like I've, we've talked about before just how far sportport is from campus it's like 27 miles or something like that <laughs> And I really hope that with this facility, there will be storage. Uh, and I mean, locker rooms would be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at least locker rooms on par with the old soccer locker rooms. I mean, they weren't great, but they were locker rooms with uh, shower. Yeah. And... That's right. Yeah. I, I Hopefully they, they get all that. I, this is supposed to be ready for this coming season, right? For yes. 2024. So, yeah, it's a it's a joint venture. I think SLU was looking to build an intramural field of sorts or some okay. sort of field on campus. And SLU Athletics went to them and said, can we work it out so that it's uh, playable for field hockey? 
I mean, I that that is oh God, it's so great. I, I'm really, really happy for the field hockey yes. players, for the coaches. I mean, the 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 quality of life difference when all you have to do is get over to the med campus as opposed to getting all the way out to Earth City is yes. they're getting days of their lives back, like in terms of the it, amount of know, time that they spend commuting back and yes, forth out there. The one thing I learned from working from home versus working in office is that a commute, no matter how short, whether it be 10, 15, 20 minutes, is an hour. That's an hour. Yeah. That's an hour yeah, lost. Right. There's not because there's nothing else you can do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's huge. I just hope that, again, their stuff will be able, they will not have to still lug their shit across. Um. Yeah, that's it's great. It really is. Uh, baseball. Uh, also, the, announcing this as if it was something special was annoying. Uh, the outfield grass of the baseball stadium is being torn out and replaced with a base of rock and sand covered by new grass. So they're just yeah. They're just, I mean, you you shared a picture of it uh, uh several weeks ago, and it was looking pretty. pretty yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. Um. Now do a stadium, please. Um. Men's soccer, Pete. This is huge news. This is huge. This is awesome. It's huge. Uh, it's friend of the show. Yeah. Noted Midtown Madness podcast guest. That's right. Yeah. yeah Columbus Crew uh, goaltender Patrick Schulte won the MLS Cup with the crew this weekend. At 22 years of age, he's the youngest goalkeeper to start and win an MLS Cup final. Little bittersweet for the FC Cincinnati fans in my household. Um, who saw him, you know, snatch uh, a, a victory away from FC Cincinnati the prior weekend. But um, nonetheless, I was like, if if they're going to win, I hope he goes on to win it all because it's just so awesome that a guy who was just on our show a couple years ago is now winning championships. He won an MLS Next championship with Crew 2 the year before. So he he went from college to winning an MLS next, you know, the, the, the next division uh, championship at it's 21. Down. It's all downhill from here. Schulte. And then he goes on to win the MLS cup the next year. Um, he was great. He was great over the course of the playoffs too, Zach. He mean, mean, he really, we talked to him about like kind of the plan that they had in place for him. And he is like ahead of schedule from yeah. what he laid out for us is like, yeah, so I'll start at their number two team and then work my way up to the one. And he probably thought he was going to be getting like backup minutes this season. He emerged as their number one guy and and just ran away with it. And yeah. um, congrats to him. Really, really thrilled for him. And and there's there's never anything but upside to seeing Billikens thrive in the pros. And there's a cascading effect to him coming in as a young kid, as a rookie, making rookie money. Yeah, uh, there's a cascading effect of what you can spend on other players, and, and build yeah. your team around him. Right, uh, and, and just the opportunities for him as well. You know, if it's if it's not always going to be with Columbus, like <laughs> there's there's no secrets in this game. Like what what he did is going to get around, and he's really proven himself to be a really capable keeper. Uh, women's soccer ended the season with a number eleven overall ranking, the highest final ranking in program history. Pete, I I, I don't again once again, man. I don't think we are truly appreciating this. Like, can you like take that number 11 ranking and apply it to men's basketball? We'd be shitting ourselves. 
Yes, we would. Like this is extend extend Travis Ford, right? (laughs) We're number eleven. It'd be a shame if you cut that out of context. (laughs) Uh, yeah, Yeah, no, I mean, I just don't think we're like we're understanding the true the the magnitude. You're right. I mean, it's, they are, they're deserving of every accolade. And I think the thing that I, I tried to like point out at the end of the season after that Penn state loss is that they're like right there now with like those top 10 programs. Yeah. Um, yeah. The BYU loss earlier in the season was, was kind of, you know, especially early in that game was tough. And I know they settled into a better game after that, but uh, BYU was clearly one of the top few teams in the country and uh, slew, I think f- played three of the elite eight teams and one of the final four teams um, when all was said and done. I mean, like they played with and competed with and held their own with the top teams in the country this year. And they're, they're, they're now they're up there. <laughs> and we, we talked to coach Allen about Rutgers couple of years ago and just like there being another class within this game we are and, that and class they've caught up they've caught up there's there's work left to do you know like but i mean they're 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 now they're up there they're competitive and, and, at that level and they're getting transfers um yes. that believe that we can play at that level um outgoing transfer which we tweeted about uh earlier in the well, i think uh sunday was it no Saturday last week? Yeah, uh, Ashley Coke, uh, freshman returning to her hometown, Kansas City, to play for the Ruse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete, your favorite part of the show, track and field. It is Zach. We had the Indiana early bird meet in Bloomington on Friday, December 8th, and the Billikens were great. Tons of PRs in this event. Um, Aiden Martin won the 800 meter on the men's side with a time of 158.28. Harrison Martinenko took the individual title in the 3,000 meter, crossing the line at 825.91. On the women's side, friend of the show, Emily Nichols, won the 400 meter with a time of 57.14. Sonia Marin won the 800 meter, crossing at 221.40. And then Sophia Pellegrin finished first in the 3,000 meter with a time of 10.08.67. Going through John Bell's Twitter feed, Zach, in this one, overall, it looks like SLU had about 30 total personal records at this event, uh, which is pretty amazing stuff. Really nice performance uh, on the indoor side. They do have a bit of a winter hiatus coming up, and they will head to the Vanderbilt Invitational on January 19th and 20th, the same weekend that swimming and diving gets back into action as well. So really, really nice performance this Friday for the Billikens. Yes, uh, that's going to do it for the week in Billiken Athletics. Again, if you're still listening to this, which I would be inter- eternally grateful, uh, thank you again for stepping up last week and, and put in just commenting and commenting and commenting. I could not believe how many people commented on the YouTube video. It was amazing. Um, thank you again. And if you had any comments about this episode, hit that YouTube video comment section back up. Um, Thank you guys again so much for listening. Pete, no matter what happens, as always, go Bills. Go Bills.